Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. 
It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week we come to you from Kennebunk, Maine. From the minute you enter this town, you have, if you have any sense of curiosity at all, you want to know about the history of it. So, of course, I had to invite Joyce Butler here because she's the author of Kennebunkport, The Evolution of an American Town. And you're, you're either the unofficial or the all-time ever historian of the town. Which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think unofficial is actually the correct word. Okay. So give me the, here's the little thing that's a little bit confusing to me. There's Kennebunk and there's Kennebunkport. Give me the evolution of both names. The word is Kennebunk. There's an E in there. Kennebunk. Kennebunk. So basically I've been slapped now. Okay, yes, I've been sent to my it's, room. It's a Native American word. It means long cut bank. It is a reference to... the to river? Great Hill, which is at the mouth of the Mousam River in Kennebunk. And what is it? Would that be Kennebunk? Kennebunk. <laughs> okay, I'm getting right. Yeah. And Kennebunk Port. Um, and the uh, Native Americans came along the coast of Maine in their sea going, their ocean going canoes. And they named uh, certain sites uh, so that they would know where they were. Uh, in their travel along the coast. And so this long cut bank, which essentially is what Great Hill is, although it has uh, diminished some over the years, um, they named it Kenny Bunk. Now, originally, of course, all the commerce was really from the water, right? It, 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 people came up the coast. There were the coastal schooners. There, You had the river. The ocean was the highway of the main people, yeah. yes. Of course, not inland so much, but but along the coast. But inland, you at one point you had rail service that was really quite. Well, you're re you're really jumping around. <laughs> well, we don't, we have a limited amount of time. Right, right. Yes, of course, it was originally ocean uh, travel and and commerce, and then of course uh, the trains eventually came in, and then of course the airports and so forth and so forth. The that, usual progression. Right. And then the trains sort of went away. I mean, you still have yes, some rail service, yes, but not much. Yes, yes, yes. The, the, now they've come back to a degree. Now, you've curated exhibits at the at the Center for, 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 uh, uh, for Maine History. Right. But so much of the history, as you say, is on the coast. Some of it is so, is so marine. It's, it's based on the ships. Well, of course, that's a huge part of Maine's history and a huge part of the history of the Kennebunks, but it isn't the whole story. I mean, every town, every community has valid, interesting, varied history. You take any, any small town. Well, let's take this one. What would be the biggest surprise for a first-time visitor coming here about the history of the Kennebunks? Did I do that okay? Did I say that right? Yes, yeah, you okay. did. Okay, thank yes, you. Yes, you did. I can stay? <laughs> that they're not that they're not expecting to find. What's the biggest surprise that you would show them or tell oh, them? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, whether we're talking about the Kenny Bunks or whether we're talking about Kenny Bunkport, uh uh Kenny Bunk, the town of Kenny Bunk was originally part of the town of Wells and finally split off 
and became a town in its own right. Kennebunkport was a separate town, and it has had three names, and that is the thing that would probably be most confusing to people. Originally, it was Cape Porpoise. Then it became Arundel. I went through Arundel last night. And, and then it became Kennebunkport. And, of course, then when Kennebunkport split and became two towns, we had Kennebunkport and North Kennebunkport, and then years later, North Kennebunkport changed its name to Arundel. So, By the way, let me, let me put this in perspective. <laughs> if you take all those names together and look at their geographic mass, uh-huh. you can drive through them in less than... Oh, my goodness. 45 minutes? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Less than that. I know. Yes, yes. yes. Beautiful, varied... Interesting, historic, uh, tourist-friendly towns, all of them. I love it. And, of course, you've got the Historical Society. And the Historical Society and the Brickstore Museum in Kennebunk. Must visits. Must visits. Must visits. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now I radio clearance over. That's Clarence over. Over. Roger. Huh? Here we are on Memorial Day weekend which is a big weekend for a lot of people, but it's especially a big weekend for somebody else out there and a group of people out there who are not fully understood by most Americans when I, get, when I tell you these numbers. 72% of all firefighters in America are volunteer, and people don't get that, but it's true. You go to community, to community, community. Uh, what was started by Peter Stuyvesant and Benjamin Franklin, you go all the way back to the beginnings of our, of our country, is, big, is not just a big part of our history, it remains a big part of our community. And whenever I go to any city or town, the very first place I want to stop is the firehouse. And there's a really important reason for that. They've been in everybody's house. They've been in everybody's hotel. They've been in everybody's restaurant. They know the community better than anybody, and they are the community. So, of course, how can I come to Kenny Bunk or Kenny Bunkport without talking to the fire chief? Jeffrey Rowe, how are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. You, you appreciate that that, I, that, that I'm giving you all the credit for knowing everything? Well, it's a team effort. I certainly don't know it all. It's the men and women that oh, stand behind me. I know, because you'll get a lot of you-know-what if you come out of this studio and, and you just take no, all the credit. That's I know. the truth. I, I'm with it. And you stop by every firehouse because you know they have the best chefs. They do. Yeah. So what's, on the, what's in the kitchen today? I haven't been by the station this morning. What did you have uh, for dinner last night? <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is, it's not just about the food. It's about the community. And it's about people helping people. Because in, in a community like Kenny Bunk or Kenny Bunkport, Everybody essentially knows everybody. Yes. And, and you know, who's on the fire department? The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker? I mean, it, it, it's not the reason why I joined. I've been a volunteer fireman since I'm 18. But what's evolved, and it's, it's actually quite remarkable, is that we're coming back from an alarm, and I'm standing on the back of the truck. We still stand on the back of the trucks, by the way. Uh, I'm standing on the back of the truck, and who's standing next to me? The plumber who I needed to come get to fix my house. <laughs> hey, listen, when you take the uniform, can I grab you for a minute? You know, I mean, because every it really is community, and, and it really preserves community. Mm-hmm. They are the fabric of the community, and everyone that is members of that department remembers when, and they know who to go to and what to get fixed and how to get it fixed, and they're uh, jacks of all trade, for certainly. I mean, you are the networkers. You have yeah. to be, mm-hmm. because people don't realize you don't have a budget. I mean, it, it's it's not something where you're giving a lot. You're giving a lot of money. You you gotta, you know, most of the great fire innovation, firefighting innovations in this country were developed by volunteer fire departments because they didn't have the money to go develop it. They just had to figure out how to invent it. Yes, that's quite true. So, what are your challenges here? 
in this community as, as a fire department? Well, I think the challenge is uh, both in Maine and Kenny Bunk, Kenny Bunk Port, and, and nationally, uh, the volunteers. Because, Re- recruiting? Yes, because it is becoming more and more difficult to uh, have those folks sacrifice that extra time that they have from family and friends. I mean, what people don't realize is that uh, I'm on duty, if you will, mm-hmm. about seven months a year, three days a week. Uh, that's when I'm actually on Fire Island in New York. Mm-hmm. But on Saturdays, <laughs> wow, I mean, we got drills. Mm. And they're not 20-minute sit-down drills. These are full you know, full battle gear, yes. charging the hoses, getting out there, testing the hydrants and the wells, and, and knowing your community. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're finished with that drill, you're ready for about a 12-hour nap. I mean, and then there's all the recurrent training. Well, and and today is a good example because you're a volunteer back in Fire Island, but you're here today. So the chief can't count on you today to help him out there. Right. Oh, but you can. (laughs) (laughs) Not with a beard. (laughs) Actually, you know what, though? Interestingly enough, yes, I have a beard and I wear glasses. So the only thing I don't wear, I don't do the Scott packs. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm not internal. I'm not interior. I'm, okay. I'm exterior. And then you can count on me. Yep. See, I told you. Well, you can muster up the help and help us recruit. You know? I, well, I'm doing that yeah. right now. You yes, didn't notice absolutely. that, did you? Yes. <laughs> All right. Now, you mentioned food at the beginning of our segment, so I'm going to hold you to it. In Kennebunk or Kennebunkport, where do you like to hang out outside the firehouse that's got great food that may not be in the brochure or, or the guidebooks that's got great food? Where do you eat? I I visit all over. I I cook a lot at home on the grill and things like that. So, but when you're going out to eat, uh, where, where do you eat? There are there are several places in both villages that are very nice, and I would I would encourage folks like you said to stop by the fire station and talk with the firefighters and get their opinions. Or especially of, when you go, yeah. or especially where you're when you're right. cooking. And a lot of the members. Uh, operate lobster and clam shacks down at this end of the see you, that, now you see and we have some people that run a tavern and grill up in the Kennebunk Port section so there's there's a wide range of different menus and things that that for everyone's palate so what you've done here chief is, is you've buried the lead if you're going to be coming to Kennebunk or Kennebunkport you stop at the firehouse on the way to find the best lobster roll because you'll <laughs> right come on if that's what you're looking for yes where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? such history here you know going back to the 1600s you know we've got the ocean we got the river a long time shipbuilding mecca i mean we're talking five masted ships and schooners making their way down the river and then out to the open sea um and of course if you're a real estate nut and you love history well take a look at the sea captain sh- uh, homes uh, they're they're beautiful and they're called mansions but they, they they i don't look at them as mansions i look at them as homes um, and they're preserved today as, as lovely inns, uh, many of them. Um, and of course, about 100 years ago, this part of the main coast first became a resort destination. Think about this as like a total population of about 3,000 people year-round, and then in the summer it goes up to about 40,000 people, um, which is why we're coming to you right here at the Memorial Day weekend to, to, to con- basically to try to persuade you to come during the week. Don't come on the weekends. 
Um, it's the only way to look. I feel the same way about my place where I live, Fire Island in New York. You know, we have a we have an uh, an out of season all year round population of about three hundred and fifty people, but on any given summer weekend, we can go as high as two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Um, why would you do that to yourself? Um, look, bottom line is, it's a great place to visit. Just let everybody, let the let, let the losers come on the weekends. The smart people come during the week. It's really a scent. And by the way, it's it's a very small, manageable place. I mean, it's you know we're talking, you know, the town center only about a mile from the from the mouth of the river, the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, we're it's 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 uh, it's uh, it's great stuff. Anyway, um, and I say there's a lot of history to talk about here. And joining me now is somebody who doesn't just understand the history; he understands how to preserve it. He's the head of the Kennebunk Conservation Trust, Tom Bradbury. Hello, sir. Hello. So you heard me. my introduction. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a lover of boats in the sea. So getting me up here didn't take an industrial strength spatula, if you know what I mean. I I came willingly, um, but a lot of people come willingly. It's it's also important to preserve what you've got, and because you know you are a you're not a large destination. You're you're a relatively small but managed one. So give me some of the history of what you guys have been doing to 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 keep all this working. Well, we've been working since 1973 to try to preserve the essential beauty and character of the town. So in that regard, we've set aside virtually all of the islands that are in Cape Orpus Harbor, which is a part of Kennebunk Port. And we own the lighthouse and uh, manage and maintain that. We own a good part of the beach network, and um, we own a lot of uh, trails, scenic vistas, and and we we tried to find those places that people love the most and love to visit, love to use, love to enjoy, and we we uh, set them aside so that future generations will be able to enjoy them as we do. Now, Tom, you mentioned the lighthouse, but let, let's call it by its real name, the Goat Island Lighthouse. Correct. Explain how it got that name. Well, we think in in colonial times. I mean, in the in the 17th century, that they were keeping um, livestock on the islands. There was a cow island as well. And uh, so uh, they were living on the, an island called Stage, which was named after the fishing stages that they were drying their fish on. And, and then the other islands were used for various purposes. So Now, we know that most lighthouses now are no longer owned. In fact, I don't think there are any of them any longer owned by the U.S. Coast Guard or operated by the Coast Guard. Most of them are not official sources of, or aids to navigation, but they are preserved by many societies around the country and still operate. Correct. And, and ours is, is an aid to navigation still. The, the Coast Guard still maintains the light, but we maintain the uh, rest of the property. And, and we've, we've restored it. A storm in 1978 wiped away the walkway that connected the house with the tower. And over the last few years, we've put that back along with the bell tower um, and other uh, parts of the lighthouse. So we've restored it exactly to the looks as it was in the turn of the century through the 1950s. Although I, I, I'd probably be a good guess to say there's no longer an official lighthouse keeper, correct? Well, we keep a keeper there in the summer. Uh, we uh, found that the winter months were a little bit too harsh to try to keep somebody out there. But uh, from, from late May until October, there's somebody on the island all the time. And he's not a prisoner? <laughs> not a prisoner, usually. <laughs> Now, one of the things that you've got, you know, in, in this conservation trust, you've got about 2,000 acres that you play with, but also you've got some, some great hiking and biking trails. 
we do. Um, over the last uh, several years, we've created about 16 miles of trails on one particular property alone, and so uh, they're really well used, enjoyed, and and we've had some great bikers out there that that compare them with the best trails anywhere. And the the thing about Maine is, and, and I have to tell people, it, it's a great place to walk. I mean, people don't realize that you know when you have small communities, get out of your car lock the door, or in cases like Maine, don't lock the door, uh, and just walk. That's where you'll find a lot of the hidden treasures. And and uh, you're right that that most people don't do that and don't realize how beautiful it is to walk down to a little waterfall or these out-of-the-way ponds or, or just to go through a wooded trail and, and the beauty that's there and enjoy it. And, uh, well, Tom, as the head of the Kennebunkport Con- Conservation Trust, I- I'm going to ask you to sort of like uh, peel back the curtain and tell us where your secret hidden gem is. Well, the, um, my favorite places are the islands. Um, the, there's, there's, uh, and, and the nice thing is that at a low tide, you can walk to most of the islands as well. So, so of course, uh, what you you're saying to, to me, <laughs> what you're saying to me, Tom, is bring the title schedule with you when you're walking. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just going to get into that. What you want to be aware of is that the tide goes out, but it also comes back in again. So no, you, you think? Want to stay out there for the next eight hours, then then you probably won't, would want to keep the uh, tide chart handy. But but that's wonderful. We also have a headquarters here in town, and uh, we've got a learning trail off of that, and we've got several other trails that that lead to beautiful places. It has a place to park. It has a restrooms. If, and and uh, I think anybody would enjoy being there and, and seeing that facility. Hey, Tom, really appreciate that. Tom Bradbury, the head of the Kennebunkport Conservation Trust, who always carries his title table. Peter Greenberg here with you from Kennebunkport in Maine, back with more of Peter Greenberg Worldwide when we return right after this. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. I'm crowded in this room today uh, because, uh, well, Lisa Mills is here. She runs or is affiliated with a group called Women of Note. Tell me about this, Lisa. Well, we're a local-based group of a cappella singers. We, we started in about 1991 as part of a larger group, River Tree Arts Chorale. And we, as part of this chorale, we were asked if we wanted to interview or, or, or audition for a smaller group. And at the time, it was a madrigal-based group. And so we... Um, and now you're doing Kanye West songs. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how it's transpired over the years because we were 13 members initially, and now we're down to a quartet of four. And we're three of us are original members, so we've been doing it for 23 years. And um, it's been and a where, blast. And where do you perform? You know what? It's an a cappella group. You can, you can really be versatile in, in where you perform because you don't have to have all the amplification. You can pretty much go anywhere. You do house calls. Absolutely, we have we've actually tailored songs to people for their anniversary, for for birthdays. But we've also, gosh, we've done you know weddings, we've done funerals, we've really done um, a, a real variety. So from birth to death, you got to cover it. Pretty much, that's a very good assessment. But if I'm coming to Kenny Bunk or Kenny Bunkport, 
where would I see you? You would actually have to you. hire us. Ah. <laughs> But, but but if I found out where you're performing, I could also sneak in. Absolutely. Well, you can you can see me at the Kenny Bunk Port Inn every Thursday night and the Nonantum on Monday nights. But as far as the women of note, we, we really um, enjoy the opportunity to do special events as well as, you know, other events as well. Can you introduce us to the other members, please? Absolutely. We've got uh, the myself, Lisa Mills. We've got Nancy McMahon and Danielle Abrecht and Sue Yates. And what are you going to sing for me today? We're Since going, you happen to just show up, you know. That's right. Well, thanks for having us. It's really a pleasure. We're going to sing a song called Fill the Rhyme. Go for it. Well, they're getting ready now. They're positioning. I'm ready, guys. Fill the rhyme, making time. Now is all there is. Breathe and feel, hold what's real. When you and I first kiss. Breathe one sigh, no asking why, knowing now and know this sacred space, this holy place, just you and I alone. Broken shell, touch and tell, lost in you I'll stay, cage and free. Wow, Lisa Mills and the women of note. There you go, keep that going. This is flight 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. My name is David and I'm here to tell you that. Shortly after takeoff, first things first, there's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst. But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler. Alcoholic beverages will be $4. If a monster energy drink is your plan, that'll be $3 and you get the whole can. We won't take your cash. You got to pay with plastic. If you have a coupon... This is such an amazing place for so many reasons. First of all, because it's on the water, it's on the coast, and the coastal Maine is amazing. Um, it's got great history, but what I like about it so much is it's so manageable. You know, you're not driving great distances to get great history. It's right in front of you. Going back to the 1600s and and all the coastal all the coastal schooners later on the the steamers uh, making down making their way down the river then out into the sea. Um, the the sea captains who built their homes here. People call them sea captain mansions. I wouldn't go that far, but they are homes, and they're and they're beautiful wooden preserved structures that uh, some of them actually have now been opened as uh, as great B&Bs and small hotels. person who knows a little bit about that is my next guest. He is the Ke- the Kenny Bunk. I have to use the word, that letter E right or I'm in trouble. Yes, you're in big trouble. I'm in big don't. trouble. And I'll be big trouble with Stephen Spofford, who's <laughs> who's our historian. Uh, you know, you heard my introduction, Stephen. I mean, right. it really is manageable history, isn't it? Oh, it's very manageable history, and um, it you know is America's history in the sense that Kenny Bunk and Kenny Bunk Port both um, had um, a major role in the shipbuilding industry of the state of Maine, starting in the 1760s primarily, and moving right up until um, the age of sail really depleted after the Civil War, but. Um, went to the schooner industry, which really, uh, when I believe the last large vessel was built on the Kennebunk River in 1915, 1917. Okay, I got to ask a silly question. Maybe sure. not. We're talking about some relatively larger ships in those days. How did they get down the river? 
Well, um, very interesting. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the Kennebunk River with any great detail, but that is a an excellent question. Uh, That's why I'm here. They um, they were very very successful in working with the tide, um, and as the need for vessels um, in tonnage grew, um, they constructed um, in the 1830s a lock on the Kennebunk River, just north of um, the village of Kennebunk Port, where they would capture the natural flow. They would capture what we call a moon tide, where the, where the basin was largely filled by the ocean, and then the natural and would super flood the river. And then very, very carefully, they would what we would call warp or rope down the vessels, um, uh, you know, over and through the river. And now, they'd walk them through. They would basically walk them through, exactly. Now, uh, remember that they are not um, laden yet with their mast or any of their rigging that was done in the lower river um, after they had passed through. Um, but um, then they would put um, bateaus under the keel to lift it up um, so that um, it would, uh, you know, be able to float down. This is not to say that they did not have some damage, um, but they would repair that once they got down. But they were very, very successful. There was a pilot named Jesse Town who you hired to sit at the bow of the boat and yell at the guys on the side who knew every rock shoal of the river from um, Kennebunk Landing at Durrell's Bridge all the way to its mouth. Wow. And yet the last big one was, was built, what, 1917? Just about 1917 in the lower river. Um, as the vessel um, tonnage again grew, um, the basin, which is tidal and is much wider, was used. Um, both sides, where currently today sits Federal Jack's Restaurant, where Shipyard Beer was founded a few years ago. Um, that was uh, a shipyard there. And then currently on the river green. And when you land, by the way, at the Portland airport, you're confronted with shipyard beer. You can't yes, miss exactly. it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very popular. They now have a large brewery in Portland, too, but it was uh, it was born on the banks of the Kennebunk River in Kennebunk. But, um, of all those ships that were built here yeah. until 1917, where are they preserved anywhere? There is, to my knowledge, none of the Kennebunk vessels still in existence that were um, that were built, yes. That's sad. It is sad, but yeah. they were used, you know, they were used for uh, the coastal trade or the worldwide trade now you're and made on, the way of all wooden vessels eventually sure. um, being scrapped or By the way, lost at sea. If anybody wants to see an amazing wooden vessel that's been preserved in the most amazing way, go to Stockholm in Sweden yeah. and visit the Wassa. Yes. What an amazing story. <laughs> Back in the, in the 1600s, when the, when the Swedish had a formidable armada and a navy, they built the biggest ship ever built at that time called the Wassa. And the, speaking of the day, launching a ship, the day it was launched in the water there, a huge gust of wind came up, cap, and it was, the ship was fully loaded with men and ammunition and food and supply. The ship was capsized, and it sank right there in the harbor, and it stayed there until 1956. Wow. And then they realized when they went out, they sent divers down there, that the quality of the water was so pristine in Stockholm that the ship was still remarkably well-preserved, including the food. But they also realized that they just raised the ship, it would oxidize. So they built the museum over the ship. 
Oh, that's great. And they yeah. raised the the ship inside a muse- uh, uh, the building that had all the polyurethane s- sprinklers and de- you know, the humidifiers. And today, when you go to, to, to visit that museum, the documentary they made about how they raised that ship, mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. But you can still see the food on the table. Oh, that's great. I know. That's now, awesome. you're also, before we run out of time, you're, you're at, the brick, at the old brick museum, right? You're, you're the brick store yeah, museum. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, currently the immediate past president of the brick store museum. Um, in Kennebunk, which um, uh, was started in 1936 by uh, Miss Edith Berry, who was the descendant of um, William Lord, who owned the brick store and built it in 1825. And old brick means? brick The brick store, um, when it was built in 1825, most of the buildings in Kennebunk at the time were made out of wood. And so um, Mr. Lord decided that he would be a little bit more ostentatious and built his out of brick. My next guest, I want to be him when I grow up. I mean, he gets to do something that I only get to do a little bit of the year. He gets to spend most of his time out on the water. He's the captain of the schooner Eleanor. His name, Richard Woodman, otherwise known as Woody Woodman. Of course, it's Woody Woodman. It comes to the territory. It comes to the territory. And you operate the schooner Eleanor. Now, that's about a 55-footer? She is, yeah. Traditional gaff rig schooner. uh, Traditional main schooner. Yeah, we got all the right stuff. Uh, the rigging is very uh, authentic, and but, but you it, built it from an old design, I'm sorry, right? That's the best part of it. Yeah. It's, it's got all that old feel, but on a new platform. Because so. it was built to what, 1999? Correct. Yeah, we built it right here in Kennebunkport. Right, but you went back. The, but the plans for that boat go back how far? Uh, 1935. L. Francis Harishoff, one of the well-known designers, and uh, it's a uh, she's a beautiful boat to to be out on the water on. When it comes to building a boat like this, because it's a traditional design, traditional hull, mm-hmm. traditional materials, right? At a time when people aren't building those kinds of boats. Well, that's where you're wrong. That I, I, I am a traditional wooden boat builder and approaching this project. But most people aren't. I mean, most people, it, it, it's one of those, you know, arts that you hope is not dying and you're proof positive that it isn't. True. And tradition means evolving, too. And so in doing this, I actually built a fiberglass hull, even though it's an old design. So we've got. Some... Hey, you're not stupid. <laughs> well, <clears throat> let's just say we get a little wiser as we get older. But uh, yeah, this has been a. Uh, How uh, long did it take you to build it? It was over the course of two winters. I started out very traditional, uh, doing my sailing trips on an old, fifty-year-old uh, wooden schooner that I restored. So when I got that, and up what was the name of that ship? The Lazy Jack. The Lazy Jack. And she, where and where would the Lazy Jack be today? She is still offering sailing trips out of Booth Bay Harbor, going strong. Wow. Yeah. And she was built in 1947 on the North Shore of Massachusetts. Now, is she part of the, the Maine Windjammer Association? She's what you'd think of as a baby schooner. Okay. Uh, at 36 feet, uh, more condensed uh, than the 100-footers that take people out for a week at a time. Exactly. So this took you two, two winters to, to build the Eleanor. Correct. Right. What life lessons did you learn in that experience? Uh, that every day, seven days a week, the life was build the boat. Um, it was before I had family, it was all encompassing. And when you have a deadline looming over your head, um, yeah, it, it was just put your head down and go. In the interest of full disclosure, our chief engineer, Mike Worrell out in Los Angeles has been building his boat in his backyard 
for the last 15 years. But see, he probably has a life other than building the boat. Well, he yes, but the point is, Mike, we've had it with you. <laughs> Launch the boat. I mean, because every time we would travel around the world to do this radio show, he would find some marine supplier that could help him with something he needed for the boat, right? You know how that works. Oh, yeah. So we were always taking stuff back after every radio show, you know. For, I'm like, how big is this boat? Mike, launch the boat. If you're listening to this show, Mike Worrell, I'm telling you, me and Woody are telling you, launch the boat. The best thing I did was I, about barely six months into it, I set a launching date nine months or ten months ahead of time and, and said, we're going to work backwards from there. Well, you know what the definition of a goal is, don't you? It's a dream with a deadline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you make your deadline? I did. I did. That's- did you really? Yeah. Most people don't. No, we got it in the water, and then we still had to answer to Coast Guard inspections and stuff. But that season, we were operating the Eleanor by July 4th week. Well, you had to answer to Coast Guard inspections because you're a ship for hire. Correct. Right. And how many passengers do you take? 20. All right. So you're way beyond a six-pack on this. You're a tonnage license. Correct. I have a 100-ton license, and uh, we get inspected, detected. and I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. And that's the other reason why you made it fiberglass. Because you might, you might not have gotten approved as a wooden boat. Oh, we would have. And really? and, and new ones have been built uh, to the credit of, uh, I know of several that have been built recently as wooden boats and are, are very uh, good operating passenger vessels. For somebody visiting Kenny Bunkport for the first time and going on your ship, what's the biggest surprise that awaits them? Um, that you can enjoy something from nothing. I mean, people kind of want a checklist of what 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 are we going to do are we are we, we going to see seals are we going to see lighthouses are we going to what are we going to do and i'll say maybe maybe i don't know the surprise comes when after two hours they've purged seen the ocean and whatever else came along it's kind of like the old seinfeld you know something about nothing riding along in my automobile my baby beside me at the wheel and playing the radio with no particular place to go. There's so much history here in, in, in Kenny Bunk and Kenny Bunkport, and who knows that best than my next guest, Kirsten Camp, who's the executive director for the Historical Society, where we are right now, as a matter of fact. That's right. It's, it's a compressed history, just in terms of physical space, because you're not that big, right? Which is great, because you get a lot of history in a small amount of space. You can actually absorb a lot. That's correct, yeah. We are a small town. We sit- Population of what, 3,000 people? Well, we have, Maybe. Th- we have 3,000 people in the wintertime. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yes. And, but in the summer, it, it balloons. Absolutely. We're about 35,000 in the, in the summertime. So here's a little helpful hint. Visit Kenny Bunkport between September and April, and you own the joint, and you actually get a chance to have great, real conversations with people like I'm having with Kirsten right now. That's correct. Uh, actually, my biggest time is October. I think the Leaf Peepers come up here, and this is a great Not time. the Leaf Peepers. Oh, the Leaf Peepers. They're absolutely... Hi, we're the Leaf Peepers. We have special needs. Right. Well, you know, they tend to be retired people, which is fantastic because they've got lots of time. You know what's great about Leaf Peepers? They are, I'm saying this with a great amount of respect. They come from a generation that knows how to have a conversation. They're not on their BlackBerry or their smartphone. They, you can actually listen and learn from them, and uh, they're not rushing. That's absolutely true. And they love the history, so it's an easy way for me to teach history. They're interested. They're interested, yes. You know, my mother once told me it's more important to be interested than interesting, and they are, and they are interested. 
they are interested, and they spend a lot of time with me in the, in the fall. October is a great month to be here. Okay, other than leaf changing times mm-hmm. and, and the, the changing of the colors, what's the? I, and I've, I've asked this to many of my guests today. Okay, here I am in Kenny Bunkport. What's the biggest surprise you have in store for me if I had time to stay? I think the history and the historic district of Kennebunkport. But be more specific. So when you step into this town, you are stepping back in time 150 years. This town is very, there's very little change from what it was 150 years ago. And you experienced the historic district. But at the same time, you can go down to Cape Porpoise and see the fishermen come up with the lobsters. This is true Maine. Was Kennebunkport put on the map by, by George Herbert Walker Bush, so to speak? I think that that has a great deal to do with it. I mean, it was the Eastern White House. It was. It was the summer White House for George H.W. Bush, and and we are really proud to have him as a resident here. However, the summer colony really started in the late 1870s with the Seashore Company and those first residents that came here. But the first time I heard the words Walker's Point referred to him. That's true. And we have a, a lot of visitors that come here today because this is the summer home of the Bush family. and. Right. The Historical Society ourselves, we have the First Families Museum, which is a static exhibit on George H.W. Bush and his family and their life here in Kennebunkport. And this is going to make me feel a little old, but it's amazing. Barbara, his wife, is celebrating a birthday. She is. June 8th, she will be 90 years old. Amazing. Yes. And still sharp as a tack. She absolutely is. And you know, she walks twice a day on on the beach, on Gooch's Beach. You can see her out there walking her dogs. It's She's an amazing lady. Wow. And and nothing gets by her. No. Oh no. No. Absolutely. I mean, she's. I mean, if something happens in Kennebunkport, she knows. She does. She has her pulse. She's definitely got the pulse of the town. There's no doubt about that. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.